I may be having more fun than you, right? I've come to give you life and that you would have it more abundantly. And uh, I think you guys are just having a whole lot of fun up there. So I want to say thank you for that. Hey, if you see some uh, odd things lying around the church, I saw two ping pong balls today. Just kind of, one was in the, I just got here early and I was just walking around and I saw uh, two ping pong balls. And that was from, uh, you had about 110 kids in here a couple of weeks ago. 120 kids in here shooting ping pong balls all over the place. And then uh, the other thing I found was a little stir-stick coffee cross. (laughs) On Friday... Uh, they had quite the uh, they had quite the event being Remembrance Day. They had a secret service, and uh, literally a secret service, and it was to mimic the underground church. And there was probably forty five kids here or so with leaders, and and uh, so Hudson was hiding somewhere very. He found a great hiding spot. It wasn't in the bell tower, but it was a great hiding spot. And then they had guards equipped with. Uh, whistles and flashlights and and then they had uh helpers who were the christians who were passing out crosses and there was three bibles that were hidden all the <laughs> all the lights were off in the whole building reminds me of uh, the good old days and uh, just a couple here and there and the object was and so uh what had happened was we had all the all the students in the fireside room and i was just talking about the underground church is actually alive and well uh, across the world. And uh, no, it's not necessarily under the earth, but uh, they meet in, in, in hidden, uh, um, you know, down, down uh, streets and into um, warehouses and, and, and at night at people's homes. And, and what, what looks to be a crochet party is actually a Bible study. And so we were describing this to the kids. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, there was a knock on the door, some pounding on the door, and lights were flashing in from outside, and the guards were there. And I said, you got to get out of here. Don't forget. Uh, not, here's the secret code, 1946-1. Don't forget that, 1946-1. Go find the Bibles, 1946-1. That's your key to get into the secret service. And so they, all the kids took off running through the church, and the guards burst in there, and they dragged me out and kind of roughed me up a, lot, a little bit. And, uh, and then the run, the chase was on, and, and they had to find these three different Bibles, open it up to the 19th book, which would be Psalms, that's right, to the 46th chapter, to verse 1, says what? Do you guys forget already? Oh, yeah, you were a guard. And they had to, uh, but if, they were, if a guard caught them, they were able to pull the stir stick uh, the coffee stir stick cross out of their pocket and say i have the cross of christ and then the guard would leave them alone and uh they they could get off uh for a little while but anyway they found they finally found uh hudson in his hiding spot and they had uh, then they had a wonderful service together so that was really good so if you see some of those still lying around the church then you'll know what it was Hey, um, I've titled, I've titled this uh, message, You Call, I'll Answer. In um, a young man born in uh, Kropenstad in the kingdom of Prussia, as a young man, he gave his heart to Jesus. And then in 1870, his family moved 
from what was then Prussia, which is now Iran. He moved to England. And in southwest England, in the city of Bristol, he opened an orphanage. Who knows what, who I'm talking about? George, my wife, George Mueller. I think she was sitting over my shoulder last night looking at my, me preparing. George Mueller opened an orphanage home, and this was a man who never asked for one ounce of money from government funding. I like the, this uh, picture on this side, so I tried to do my hair a little bit like him. I just thought, man, they did that back then? That's pretty cool. Or maybe he rode his bike to go into that picture, and that's why it looked like that. At any rate, he opened up an orphanage for all the children that had no parents. And uh, he fed and clothed, gave each orphan a Bible, taught them about Jesus, taught them to pray, uh, and to live a life that was uh, honorable to Jesus. And uh, his, his ministry expanded. And he actually never asked for money. He never uh, uh, went after government funding. He just believed that the Lord would answer the call and the need that was at stake. At one particular time in his home, there was about 20 children sitting around the table with literally not a scrap of food in his home. Maybe you've heard of this story. And he gathered the children around at the table and, he, and they all washed their hands and he, and he called them to breakfast and he said, children, we're going to give thanks to the Lord for what he has provided. And the children said, Mr. Mueller, there, there is no food on the table. And regardless, we will thank the Lord for what he has provided. And as they bowed their heads in prayer to pray and thank the Lord for the breakfast, there was a knock at the door. The local baker had brought down all the bread from his shop. Nobody had told him, except it would have been a divine Holy Spirit moment. But nobody had told this baker of the need in the orphanage. And he loaded up the orphanage with as much bread as they could eat. Just as they closed the door and delivered the bread to the children, there was another knock on the door, and the milkman's truck wagon broke down right outside the orphanage, and he brought all the milk in, and all the children had bread and milk for their breakfast. And that just goes to show that, hey, when we call out to him, he answers. In fact, take a look at what... um, uh, Isaiah 65, 24 says, I will answer them before they even call to me. Wow. Thank you for that amen, Gwen. Someone else say amen. amen. I will answer them before they call me. While they are still talking about their need, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. See, this shows a readiness of the Lord to help and assist people in time of trouble. It's almost like he sits in anticipation to hear the, the, the prayer and the cry of his saints. And he sits there waiting. And he already knows what you need before you answer. George Mueller went on to build five different orphanages, roughly housing between 250 and 500 children each. And not a dime was, uh, was raised, uh, was asked for, but he raised over 190 million pounds Back in 1870, in the late 1800s, today's equivalent, 900 million pounds. And you double that up, right, for our, for our dollar. So whatever that would be, be incredible. 
You know, uh, 12 years ago, my wife and I, we left full-time ministry. And uh, we felt God that was, was calling us to a new chapter in our life. And uh, we were actually called from here, from this location, to pastor a church in the States. And um, we felt that it was a wide open door. Uh, we felt that this is what, where God was moving us. And so we, uh, we had to ask ourselves the question, do we feel that the work is accomplished here? Well, the work's never accomplished. Work continues on until Jesus comes. But we felt that we had given all we could at that time and, and that the Lord was moving us out. And so we, uh, we resigned from Northwest Family Church to the, to the shock and dismay of Roy. And we've since had many wonderful conversations about that. He says, I should have paid you more. No, you couldn't pay me enough because when the Lord calls, when the Lord moves on your heart, you move, right? And, um, and so we were preparing for this move into the States and the house was for sale and the vehicles were for sale and we we're selling all the stuff because at the time, uh, the fall of 2004 was a great time to move to the States. Real estate in Canada was growing rapidly. Our house that we had bought in a few years early had doubled and then doubled again. It was just, it was unbelievable how fast uh, things were growing. And, um, uh, and about in February, uh, a month before the move was to be made, I sat, uh, Trish, with Trish and I sat down, and our children were very young at the time, and uh, opened up my day timer and I said, okay, honey, so um, the movers are booked, the home down in... Uh, Nevada was where we were moving to. The, the, the home was already booked for us to rent. The church was excited that we're coming. We've already signed the contract. Um, and uh, I'm purchasing the, the airplane tickets, and we're going to fly from here to Vancouver to stay with your, your dad for a couple of days, and then we're going to go on to the, to the States there, and the moving vehicles will, will meet us there. And that's when, we, um, that's when the Lord intervened. You know, the Bible says that, that man makes plans, but then God... God ordains them. He kind of, it's like he gives them the stamp of the approval. And up until then, we felt that this was the direction that the Lord was, was taking us. But all of a sudden, the Lord intervened. And we looked at each other, and we distinctly, I'll never forget the day we felt the Lord close the door on that. And it was the oddest thing, because we were moving in a direction that we felt that he was calling us to move. We cried out to him, he answered, and we were moving. And all of a sudden, the door closed. And uh, so we informed the pastor down there, and he was disheartened. Uh, they went on to find another youth pastor, and, uh, and they're doing well today. We're still in, in contact because they're some dear friends of ours. But now we're back here going, okay, I don't know what to do. 15 years of, of youth ministry, that's all I know. My father was a pastor, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my brothers. That's, this is all I know. I don't know what else to do. So by default, I went back to the trades, something I was just good with my hands and framing framing houses and putting hardwood floors in and, and just, just to try and, just to try and meet the, the need until, um, uh, until the Lord opened up a new chapter in our life. And I'll never forget, I was, um, I was going, driving to the job site um, down south of Calgary, and um, I, was just, I was just talking with the Lord. Lord, where, where, what are you doing in our lives? Where, where are you taking us? And uh, it was a Wednesday... And um, I came back that night after the, the, the job. I was, I was lying in bed, and uh, the Lord called my name. Like I'm speaking to you now, he called my name. He says, Kevin. And I bolted up in bed. I look over, Trisha's sleeping, and, 
And then I turned over and went back to sleep. I had a Samuel experience and I rolled over and went to sleep again. You believe that? Most people would just be up and at it and right out, out and um, in, in their secret place, meet with the Lord. But no, I just rolled over and went back to sleep. The next day I got up, back, driving back to the job site, and I began to cry out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I, I feel lost. I don't know what to do. I don't know if you've been in this situation. I felt lost. I felt that, you know, the, the identity that, had, had, that I thought defined me was now gone, and I'm thinking, I, I don't know what else to do. Lord, I need your favor. I never forget, I, I specifically asked for that word. Lord, I need your favor, because I don't know what I'm going to do. I came home, I shared with Trish my conversation with the Lord, and she says, Kev, whatever it is, I stand with you. That night, back-to-back nights, the Lord woke me up again. And this time, he said, Psalm 40. So I got up. Want to throw it up there, Wes? Got up, and I went downstairs. I grabbed the word. This is in the New Living Translation. I read it in the King James, uh, New King James Version at the time. But this is what it says. I turned the light on. I'll just, again, it was just crystal clear. Psalm 40. Like we're talking now. Like we're talking as friends. I get up. I open the word. I turn the light on. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me. And he heard my cry. I lost it, church. I was weeping. Because this is what had happened. I felt the Lord come down right into my bedroom. He, he, church, he stood over me and he leaned and he grabbed my shoulder and he shook me and he says, Kev, wake up. I heard you. That was a defining moment in my life. I'll never forget it. I'm wiping the tears. In fact, the New King James says, uh, says it this way. I cried to the Lord and he inclined to me. It's almost this, this, you get this idea of the, the Lord's talking to, doing some, some work over here. He hears my voice and he turns and he moves towards me. He inclines to me. And he answered my, my prayer. I wipe the tears from my eyes. I keep reading. He lifted me out of the pit of despair. You ever felt like you've been in a pit of despair before? You ever felt you've been there? Out of the mud, the mire, he set my feet on solid ground. He steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed and put their trust in the Lord. Over the last 12 years, this has become my life song. It really has. I would, I would invite you that if there is a word that God has given you at some point, that you would use it to, to anchor your faith. That uh, when the storms of life come, that there's a passage that you can go back to and say, no, I'm banking on this one because this is the one the Lord gave me. And it might have been through a, a loved one. It might have been through your, your, your daily devotion. It might be through a, a sermon. Just something that you knew grabbed your heart. And this is the one that grabbed mine. And uh, I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I knew I had his favor. Because he promised me that. That's exactly what I had asked for.
The message says it like this. Do we have the message up there on the screen? I'll read it out of here. It says it this. A hostile world. This is uh, Psalm 18. I called to God. I cried to God to help me. From his place he hears my call. My cry brings me right into the presence. A private audience. Watch this. The The earth wobbles and lurches. Huge mountains shake like leaves. Quake like aspen leaves because of his rage. What, why, why the rage? Because one of his children is calling out to him. This is a psalm of David. And his call has come up before the presence of the Lord. And it's almost like the Lord stands. And he hears the call of his child. And he starts to get upset. One of my children are in need. And the earth starts to shake. His nostrils flare. Bellowing smoke. His mouth spits fire. Tongues of fire dart in and out. He lowered. Watch this. This imagery, he lowers the sky and steps down. Under his feet, an abyss opens up. He's riding the winged creature, swift on red wings. Now he's wrapped himself in a trench coat of black cloud darkness. But his cloud brightness bursts through, spraying hailstones and fireballs. Then God thunders out of heaven, and the high God gave a great shout, spraying hailstones and fireballs. God shoots his arrows. Pandemonium. He hurls his lightning. A rout. The secret source of oceans are, uh, sources of oceans are exposed. The hidden depths of earth lie uncovered. The moment you roar in protest, let loose your hurricane anger. Look at this. But he caught me, reached all the way from sky to sea, and pulled me out. You ever feel like that, church? You ever feel like that? You're just in the pit of despair and you don't even know where to turn. All of a sudden, your heavenly father hears your cry. And in, a, in, a, in, this, in this godly, holy rage, stands up, splits the sky and comes and rescues you. The message says, in the Psalm 40, verse 1, the message says, I waited and waited and waited for God. At last he finally looked and listened. Maybe you feel like that. The version I got was, I called out, he inclined to me. The message says, I called and then waited. And waited. And waited. And then he finally hears. He finally listened. Do you ever feel like that, church? Do you ever feel like, I've been calling a long time. I'm not so sure. That uh, he's either hearing me or he's wanting to answer me. I'm telling you, he hears you. He will answer you according to his word. He cannot go back on what he said. So I just want to kind of walk through these three verses with you. We wait patiently for the Lord. We call out. He hears us. The first thing that he does, he lifts us out of the pit of despair. He literally changes my position. I'm stuck in the muck and the mire and the filth of my environment. Maybe it's my thinking. Maybe it's my situation. Maybe it's my heart. Maybe it's my emotions. Maybe it's whatever it is. Maybe it's maybe it's a, even a physical place. I call out to him. He lifts me up and literally changes 
my position. Now I am seated with Christ. He has placed me, removed me from where I was, and placed me to where he wants me to be. Now I'm seated with Christ. Listen to what Ephesians 2 says. Again, is this the message? Maybe it's the new, new living. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. It wasn't that long ago, church. Don't forget that. It wasn't that long. You let the world, which, which don't know the first thing about living. I'll tell you that right now. The world doesn't know the first thing about living. Someone say amen to that. Don't think that the world has got something over you. They don't. They don't know the first thing about living. Tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. Paul's saying, hey, don't forget. It wasn't that long that you were in that position. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing. When we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. You ever think about that? Oh, I am, as Paul says, I am wretched. I am a sinner. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. Come on, church. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did this on his own with no help from us. Didn't need any help from me. Hey, Kev, if you could just kind of position your foot and give yourself a little bit of boost up out of that muck that you're... Right? No. He didn't need my help. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heavens in company with Jesus, our Messiah. See, not only is this a positional change for you, church, we got to believe that this is a, this is a whole mind shift. This is a whole... Uh, 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 It's a paradigm shift for our thinking. Because oftentimes, we will think that we're still stuck back in there. Because maybe the stench is still pungent in our nostrils. Maybe the the, the feeling of being in that captive state is still very real to you. I want you to know God wants to change your mindset as well. He wants to cause a mind shift. We need to be thinking and believing that Jesus wants this for us. He wants us to shift the way we think about our position with the Lord. He wants us to believe it. Okay? That we are more than conquerors. Deuteronomy talks about that we are the head and not the tail. He wants us to believe it. He wants us to get it in us. It's a belief in position. Psalm 8 says that he has placed all things under our feet. Psalm 8 says that. And so it's this idea sometimes that we get that, oh man, the, the enemy's just got me bogged down. He's just on my back. He's just, just the thing of this world. They're just piling up on me. No, 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 that's wrong imagery. That would be, that'd be wrong thinking. It's a wrong, wrong belief system. He has placed all things under our feet and we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Come on, somebody say yes to that. That's where you are, Stuart. That's where you are. Call you out. Great job last week preaching, by the way, too. Sorry I couldn't be here. He changes your your position. He changes where you're at. And guess what? From there, you can see a completely, totally different viewpoint. Watch this. Number two, he gives me a firm foundation to stand upon. So, so he doesn't pull us out 
of a tricky situation and put us in another place for us to slide right back into where we're at. No, he puts us on a solid rock, on bedrock, and he grounds us there. Psalm 18.33 says, He makes me sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. Wow, the message says, Now I run like a deer. I'm king of the mountain. Did you ever go through uh, Revelstoke? You ever see these uh, magnificent creatures? You know what that is, right? Mountain goat? Mountain sheep, you actually see a lot more mountain sheep along the pass than you do mountain goat. Mountain goats typically stay high. But let's take a look at some of these mountain goats. Go to the next picture here. Look at that one. This is just like he's not even concerned. He's just going about his, found a little pathway, right? Okay, they might be a little concerned, but look at that, right? They're traversing, right? Got a whole family of them up there. I like this next one. Okay, hang on. Let's just look at that one for a minute, right? The the passage is, he makes me sure-footed like a deer, okay? And uh, I don't know if they had any mountain goats in... uh, in the Middle East there, but, but, uh, <laughs> is this guy sure what he's doing? Okay, look at this next one, the same guy. Oh, no, okay, next one. What? There's no more? Oh, okay, let's go back to that one, last one. I thought I sent another one there. I thought there was another one I sent, but maybe not. Hey, may- maybe that's what the high place feels like for you sometimes. <laughs> You are stretched beyond. You're not even sure you can get to the next ledge. He has, play, he, has, he has created you, though, that as you're standing, to be standing on rock so that your foot would, <laughs> so your foot would not move. Gives me the ability to walk with my head held high, shoulders back, confidence in who we are in Christ. Do you realize that Christians should be the most confident people on the face of the earth? Hey, if you understand where you are in Christ, what's the challenge? You honestly should be the most confident group of people on the face of the earth. I don't mean arrogant. I don't mean cocky. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean that you know who you are and where you're going. And you know who resides in you. And your shoulders back and your head on. You know how many times I see Christians walking like this? Right? And they're looking down and all they see is what's down here. All they see is their past. All they see is what they're stuck in. They don't see actually where Christ has placed them. You need a new perspective of what God is doing. In your life, in this church, in the city of Calgary, and in our neighboring country to the south. Interesting times this past week, wasn't it? Interesting times. So I heard, interesting story, that as John was writing the book of Revelation, I know i got to say it, as John, they've already heard this one three times, as John was writing the book of Revelation, the Lord said, and I will announce my coming with trumpets. And John says, Trump and Pence? And the, uh, they'll get it. They'll get it when I come. <laughs> Don't read that too, too much. <laughs> a 
Colossians 1.27, to them God chose, uh, to them God has chosen to make them known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is in you. Now check this one out. This is why we have confidence. The hope of glory. Christ in you. That's why we have confidence. That's why we can ascend to the highest heights. That's why we can stand back and proclaim who we are in Christ and where we're seated. And the enemy church needs to hear more of that coming from your lips. You need to hear more of that. You need to declare that over your family, over your situation, over your finances, over your business, over this church, over your situation. You need to declare who, what's going on there and, and who he is in you. And that's the secret right there. Christ in you. Man, do you know who I am? It's like my grandma Nickel, right? Stick her chest out. Do you understand who I am? Yes, grandma. You know, five foot two. Yes, grandma. Ask yourself. Does it cert- As I said, a lot of Christians are, are, are uh, they, don't have, they actually don't have Christ as their focus. Well, the question is, is how does that serve you? As you move forward, how would that serve you in your day-to-day living, interaction with other people? Does it serve you to, to believe that you are, that you are depressed and, and downhearted and, and, and broken and, and stuck in it? Does that, would that serve your position? Or would that serve you to believe that what Christ has done for you has come, he has made alive in you, and now you're walking in that type of favor? Would that serve you in your situation? Hello? I think it would. So he's pulled us out of the miry clay. He set our feet on the solid rock. Look at this one. He steadies my step. He lets me lean on him. Steady me, steadies me as I walk. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You see, it's not our confidence. It's not our ability. It's actually got very little to do with that. It's his power. Psalm 145.18 says, The Lord is near to all those who call upon Him. We have that ability to lean on Him. 1992. The Olympics were in Barcelona. And the favored runner, you may know the story, the favored runner to win the 400. That's one time around the track, right? The men's 400 was Derek Redman. And Derek, well-trained, U.S. Uh, Olympic athlete, well-trained for, for the run, heavily favored to win. This particular day, I've got a clip I'll show it to you in a minute. Let me just explain what you're going to see here. All the runners take their spot on the, on the track. The gun goes, and, they, and they're rounding the track. And as they come the first corner, you can see that all runners are... are, are Fairly paced evenly. And in the second corner, you can see some of the runners are starting to push forward. And now they're on the back stretch of the, of the uh, track. And as they round the third corner, all of a sudden, the one who was supposed to take home the Olympic gold in the 400 pulls his hamstring. And you'll watch this in the video here real quick. He pulls up automatically. There's no, you, you don't recover from that kind of thing. He pulls up. He collapses onto the onto the track, he gets up, he tries to go a few more feet, tries to hobble down, some of the Olympic uh, officials sort of gather around him, try to, try to help him out, he waves them off, 
He doesn't want any help. He's going to finish the race. Dead last. But he's going to finish the race. And all of a sudden, just like the psalm I read, all of a sudden, from up in the middle of the stands, and you don't even see it coming, a man stands up, way high up in the balcony, in the bleachers. And he makes his way down with fear, and, or, 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 or rather with, with rage about what his son is going through. He, because he does fear for his son. He gets up. He runs down the stairs. He bursts through the Olympic officials. He, he's in an illegal place now. He can't even be on the track. He runs over. They try and stop him. He waves him off. And he comes to the rescue of his son. His son doesn't know that his father has come to, uh, to pick him up and to help him lean on him that they would finish the rest of the way. His son tries to wave him off too until he realizes it's his father. And from then, and there's many, many clips. I just picked a real short one for you to watch. But as they try to run the rest of the way home, uh, Olympic officials still come in and try and say, you can't be on your, you can't be on your. And this father's, don't you dare get in the way of me helping my son. I don't even know who won gold that year. I have no idea who came in second. I have no idea who came in third. I'll never forget the name Derek Redmond. Ever in the Barcelona Olympics, 1992. Take a look at this clip.
Well, you can, uh, that, that's a picture of your heavenly father. That's exactly what he does for you. If you, uh, if you Google that, Derek Redmond, Barcelona, 2000 and, uh, or, uh, 1992, there's a number of, of great little clips. I actually chose one of the shortest ones. One, I called my wife and I said, honey, come take a look at this one. And it's that one uh, singer, uh, you raised me up. We were just bawling at the computer. We're like, I can't show this one. It'll just be a mess. Church, that's the picture of your heavenly father. He sees their son or daughter in distress. He, raised, he stands up from where he's seated and he opens up the heaven and comes running to your rescue so that you can lean on him. Lastly, he gives me a new outlook on life. Placed a new song in my heart. Twelve years ago, that's exactly what he did for us. He placed a new song in our heart, a new direction. A new, a new desire of what he wanted us to do. Sometimes we need a new perspective. Let me give you an example. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, a very common uh, very common verse, it starts out by saying, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Let me give you some background. Uzziah, for, for most of his uh, reign, was a very godly king. God blessed him. God's anointing was upon him. He saw incredible things. He built, he built uh, uh, incredible craftsmanship and, and, and the ability to to uh, build superstructures and, and really modernize the kingdom at that time. And God's favor was upon him. And Isaiah was a scribe and wrote down all the things that Uzziah had told him. Uh, Isaiah, we did this today. And, and God miraculously moved. And here's Isaiah writing this down because he was the scribe. And, and, and he was receiving secondhand information on the, the, the incredible wonders and the works that God was doing. Sometimes that's like our life. Sometimes we have, you know, oftentimes it's a parent when you're young. Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe it's somebody in your, in your, uh, in your family that you look at and you reveal and you say, that, that, that person, now they hear from God. But you know that God wants you to hear yourself. And in the year that King Uzziah died, all of a sudden now, King Uzziah is taken out of the picture Isaiah says, I saw the Lord now for myself, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. We need a new perspective. Sometimes, hey, quit hiding behind your parent or your pastor or, or Billy Graham. and what, what? You need a, fir, a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit and a new perspective of what he wants to do in your life. That's what he wants to do for us. Listen, Hebrews 5 says this. My wife's greatest uh, favorite verse. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with loud cries and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. Wow, that was Jesus. Does that sound like us? Sounds like us, doesn't it? While he was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God hears his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, 
He learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. Jesus went through all the same things that we go through, and because he did that, that's what qualified him in God's eyes. Do you know that in, in uh, Colossians 1.12, the Bible says, God qualified you. You might be thinking, I don't deserve to be in a solid rock. No, it doesn't matter. He qualified you. He lifted you up. He put you on a solid rock. He's blessed you. You found favor with him. He has qualified you just like Jesus was qualified. He knows exactly what you're going through. Church, regardless of the situation that you're in, when you call, he answers, end of story. Right? Like, done. Now, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what it sounds like. I don't know how it comes. If you don't hear it audibly like I do, I promise you, you'll find it in the Word. I promise you that. But are you looking for it? Are you looking for it? Don't, don't be waiting for, for a pastor or someone else to give you a word. You go and find that word. He will answer you in your time of need. That's a promise you can take to the bank. Because he is with us and he is faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus, for, for this simple truth. That God, th- th- this is a picture of my life. It seems like every day. I'm stuck in the mud and the mire and in, in, in my thinking and in, in, in situations, Lord. And yet you come and you rescue me because you love me. You, I just love that imagery, Father. You split the sky and you step out of the heavens for me. Lord, I just pray upon each person here, upon each individual, upon each family, Lord, upon each business and, and, and marriages, Father, upon each career, uh, everyone's career, Lord, that you, they would just find you so real in that place. God, that you would reveal yourself to them of what you have already done for them because we, you've qualified us, Jesus. And that we wouldn't have to go back to the old thinking of, of how we were stuck. We were already past that. And you've placed us on the mountains, Jesus, and you give us that sure-footedness, and you've given that new, fresh outlook on life. And I want, Lord, we declare that you are doing a new thing. You're doing a new thing in our lives, Lord. You're doing a new thing in this, in this church, Lord. You're doing a new thing across, across the land, Father, in this city. And we give you praise. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Go with that, truth, church. Go with it. Right? Go and read Psalm 40. It's about 18 verses, the whole, the whole uh, psalm. But it was the first three that spoke to me. And I hope that, that you find something that, that, you can, that anchors with you, that you can always go back with and say, this is where God spoke to me, and this is what I'm holding on to. God bless you, church. Have a wonderful uh, rest of the weekend and a great week ahead. Bless you.